Please remember that information and advice provided on this podcast is based off my personal experiences as a young girl with ADHD. Although I do analyse, mention and cite valid peer-reviewed sources, my podcast is not a replacement for professional medical advice. If you have concerns or questions regarding your own amazing brain and mental health, please talk to a medical provider. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which I speak to my listeners today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. I also pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I'd also like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This episode of The Lucy Pod features heavy adult themes. It is an in-depth discussion about the negative impacts of a late ADHD diagnosis. Things such as anxiety, depression, suicide and drug use will be discussed at length in this episode. If you're not in the mood to listen to this, please listen to another episode of The Lucy Pod. If you are struggling with anything that is discussed in this episode, please look at the description below where there are resources to help you, such as Lifeline, Beyond Blue, and the ADHD Foundation. Haiti and Afghanistan are still in trouble, and the situation is tragic. Please do not forget to donate or share the donation links that are in my description. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Lucy Pod. I hope that you are all doing okay and surviving this crazy lockdown. Today's episode of the Lucy Pod is going to be a two-parter, so stay tuned for part two. It will be coming out very shortly. So today's episode, it's going to be heavy, but it's going to be a really important conversation with someone really special. We're going to talk about ADHD and late diagnosis and how this heavily impacts someone's life. The Lucy Pod is a positive place where I talk about viewing ADHD as a superpower and I'm here to empower people. However, I cannot forget that not everyone has had these wonderful experiences. Maybe the reason that I am so positive is because I was diagnosed early. My life and my mental health would have been very different if I was diagnosed late. People who are diagnosed late with ADHD have a completely different experience and one that is incredibly negative and difficult. Today, I'm going to be talking to my dear friend, Jasmine, who was recently diagnosed with ADHD and who recently shared her story discussing her struggles with depression, addiction and anxiety. Also, please do not forget to follow the Lucy pod wherever you are listening. If you are listening on Spotify, please do not forget to click the follow button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do not forget to give me a five-star review. And of course, follow me if you're listening on Amazon Music or Google Podcasts. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at The Lucy Pod. Recording. Yes, we are we are live. All right. So I want to first of all insert a massive round of applause for my friend Jasmine, an incredibly intelligent and eloquent young woman who I went to school with and who is a very talented drawer. And she's modest about being a good pianist. She loves a boogie on the dance floor. And she's known for taking incredibly good selfies on Instagram and has amazing makeup skills and is a self-proclaimed uncolor coordinated person. Uh, we used to hate each other. 
uh, in high school, funnily enough, but uh, we're friends now. We love each other. So hello, oh, cool. Jazzy Minion. I shouldn't call you that. You hate that. Hello, Jasmine. <laughs> Welcome oh, to the Lucy. <laughs> Welcome to the Lucy pod. I want to thank you again thank you. For, for being on the podcast and wanting to talk about some like difficult things, but I think it's going to be a really invaluable and important insight into the world of ADHD and we're basically going to talk about how being diagnosed late uh, has impacted your life. And I've got like a bunch of questions and such, uh, and I'm sure more will come up as we keep talking. So Jasmine, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your interests and your current lockdown hobby. Talk to us. Alrighty. I damn well will talk to you. So um, I'm Jasmine. I am 20 years old um, and I have ADHD, needless to say. Um, I was diagnosed, um, only in March this year. So I was, uh, took me a little while to, um, for the light bulb moment to happen for me. (laughs) So, um, just like about myself, like, um, I'm, I like to play tennis. Um, I was, I was doing a degree, but I've had to defer it for six months for reasons relating to ADHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I work um, part-time at an Italian restaurant currently, and I'm going to be yes. picking up another job very soon, which is exciting. That's so yes. And um, current lockdown hobby, I would be, I would say would be binging literally anything on Netflix that even sparks the same, but it's, you know, it's we're at that point. Let's no, be real. <laughs> well, I love that. So, um, my first really main question you've already answered it was when were you diagnosed? So, I think the next one would be what led again. you what led you to be diagnosed? What was the light bulb moment that made you get diagnosed with ADHD? In my case, it's funny, really. Like, oh, I mean, it's not funny. It's, it's not kind funny. of infuriating, I guess. But I mean, I've actually suspected this since I was about thirteen. Like when I first sort of like mm-hmm. understood what this what this disorder was you know when I first learned about it but you know for the longest time for like literally seven years I kind of just brushed it off as like you know what you're just looking for a mental illness to blame on your laziness yeah. and just your inability to complete tasks basically yeah. I, I just thought like you're a normal person you're just kind of grasping at straws here yeah. just get your up together and just and just let it go. Yeah. But um, honestly, like it kind of resurfaced as a possibility um, in more recent years mm-hmm. um, because like the symptoms, you know, needless to say, impact literally every single area and aspect of an ADHD person's life. Yep. For that example, like I have lost about four jobs in the space of two years. Wow. Wow. All for the same reasons. It was just a matter of like lack of disorganization. Um, distractibility, you know, forgetfulness, yeah. you know, just the, you know, the the major aspects of ADHD. Of course, like when yeah. it's undiagnosed and unmedicated can mm-hmm. really interfere with with things like that. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. That's really tough. And workplaces are not very like understanding. They're not. Of that I mean, stuff. where I'm at, where I'm at now is very understanding, and I'm endlessly appreciative of that. Yeah, you know. I, I would think it's safe to say that, you know, a lot of workplaces don't fully comprehend how it affects a worker's ability to do their job. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean. No, I agree. I mean, I love my two jobs. Change. No, I like love my two jobs and no shade to them. But if I wasn't 
sort of in my temperament and my abilities, I can understand how my job could be hard for someone who's ADHD. And even though the job in itself are not difficult, like we're not doing complex jobs, like we're not engineers or whatever, but I can Uh see the way that they're set up. It's really hard for ADHDers. Like, you know, you have to memorize things. You have to talk to people while doing other things. They have to give you Mm -hmm. orders. You have to also, Mm -hmm. like, if you've got bad motor skills, you've got to use your hands. Like, my one of my jobs involves a lot of weighing and a lot of numbers, you know, giving change. And I've had to learn to just kind of be like, you got to do it. you got to learn loose. Like, you got to do it. But it's it's really hard because ADHDs suck at that. Like, we don't suck at it, but we're not that good at it. And that's not the workplace's fault. But, I mean, if you see the employees struggling, I think – Last resort, you fire yeah. them. But I think the first step would be like, is there anything we can do to make it easier for you? Yeah, do you need something exactly. Else? Like that's going to be nuclear, but uh, you know, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I'd, I'd use um uh, somewhere I worked um 2019 and last year as an example. Like, mm-hmm. I got branded as um scatterbrained and uh, a dumbass, basically. That's horrible. Um, yeah, no, just because, like, this was pre-diagnosis, but just because of my disorganisation and my forgetfulness yeah. and, you know, hospitality, you know, you're absolutely right. Like, that, Cut like those kinds of jobs rely very heavily upon, you know, skills that are impeded because of ADHD yep. symptoms. So, yeah, I mean, it's no one's fault per no. se. Like, it's frustrating for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, the the answer to it isn't necessarily, like, you know, reprimanding the person needlessly or... Yeah just treating them like they're not they're not trying because you know we absolutely are of course we are we try even more people don't realize ADHDs are actual perfectionists people think that because we're somehow disorganized that we don't care that we're lazy but we actually have a crippling sense of perfectionism that we can't achieve because we're constantly distracted so it's actually a lie we're not lazy at all and also some people are ADHD and lazy because they're just lazy not because of their ADHD. They're just lazy. Like, I'm just lazy. It's got nothing to do with me being ADHD. I'm just lazy at times. That's it. Yeah. It's got I nothing mean, like, to do with there, it. There's a crucial difference, like, I'd say, like, personally, between laziness and executive dysfunction. Because, absolutely. you know, like, as, as what you were talking about, the perfectionism, that's absolutely there, I find. But it's just, um, it's just, you know, the natural lack of dopamine, like getting scientific in the person's brain, which is what motivates them to actually get a task done. Yeah. Like there's a deficiency of that. So it's actually a scientific reasoning Basis. behind it's true. why, why it's, we struggle yeah. to complete certain tasks. Yeah, it's not because we don't want to. People think we just can't do tasks. It's like, no, we don't want to do things that don't interest us because I can exactly. very well focus on a task that interests me. My podcast, for example, this is exactly. something that I never lose concentration on because I enjoy it. I will never lose concentration on, you know, writing stories. But if it comes to like, you know, me having to maybe do a research paper, I'm not focused. I don't want to do it. I can't Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. There's no, there's no impact for me there's no enjoyment that I get out of it it's got nothing to do with me being fussy or like oh I can't pay attention it's I it's it's hard and I'm attention yeah, it is because yeah. the motivational factors of a, of a neurotypical person versus an ADHD person are pretty vastly different yeah like you know you can't just it's actually you know the mental block that exists um in a person's mind who has ADHD to do something that they don't enjoy oh. is like real. it's like so I hard Fourfold, like, oh, difficult to it's overcome. So it's so bad. 
And I used to get told really? a lot at, in primary school, like, you know, Lucy really gives up when things are difficult. And that's yes. true. And oh, I, during the club. And, of course, that that oh, is right. true. And there are some things that I, as an ADHD, I have had to learn to do. You know, you can't be a five-year-old forever and be like, I don't like it, I don't want to do it. But they made it sound as if it was like a petty refusal, but it was like not yeah. only do I not want to do this, but I can't. And they would say to me, Lucy, have a bit of grit. Have some and they grit. Understand. And it's like, I wish, I wish I had grit to do this math, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, miss. I, I don't have the grit for it. Um, but yeah, I know, no, yeah. Do, do you know if our bullies has any? Yeah. <laughs> don't tell anywhere. <laughs> please like, help me out here. Please. <laughs> oh, only. It's so true me. though. So I was going to ask you, um, what was your diagnostic process like? Was it difficult? Was it expensive? What was it oh, yeah. like? How, how was that? How did you do it? So my, diagno- my diagnosis process was a little bit more tedious than the average person's as I've been told because okay. um, I actually had to get the, um, uh, the opinions of two psychiatrists instead of just the one and just having the one appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly didn't struggle that much getting a psychiatrist, which I know is, you know, very different from what a lot of other people yeah. with ADHD or uh, otherwise, neurodi- eh, otherwise neurodiverse would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I was lucky in that sense, but they are very expensive and they aren't covered by private health insurance. They it's are not. just so there is also that um that obstacle there for people who perhaps don't have the don't have the room in their budget yeah. to get diagnosed or see or seek mental professional help mm-hmm. um yeah but anyways back to me sorry no no all, all good this is this is the lucy pod we go on tangents yes yes matter. this is a prime example this is this is what we want <laughs> go on go on oh yeah and we're back okay no no problem so yes, I um had to go through to psychiatrists because only because, as I was told, um I was open about the fact that I use recreational drugs. Mm-hmm. So um considering like Ritalin, which is what I've been told the first line of defense against um with ADHD, like like that's the first thing that they'll oh, probably yeah. suggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a Schedule Eight drug, so yep. like that's pretty probably serious. One of the highest. Yeah, yeah. it's speed. People don't realize it's speed. It's literally speed that you're it's literally speed yep it's speed i'm on speed right now yeah literally i'm on i'm on speed as well but obviously with us it's not us just abusing drugs it's a treatment that yeah no there's impact us but yeah it's speed Mm -hmm. it's high class speed it's medicinal speed (laughs) literally it's tda approved speed like i mean oh my god i could go on for hours about like the difference that it has on normal people as opposed to people like us but anyways no i I won't get into that i've I I feel like the audience can gets the gist. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, like the psychiatrists were a little bit apprehensive about um my prescriptions, um purely just due to the fact that um it can have certain interactions with um with recreational drugs, especially stimulants. But um yeah, like the thing is, uh, recreational drug use is realistically a personal choice. Like I'm not going to encourage it or um down about it but um you know it's it's just a matter of like whether a person's um I suppose more prone to mixing it with um recreational drugs yeah I think people need to realize that like I'm I'm very pro you know choice and I think that you know 
I have a lot of opinions on, you know, medicinal marijuana and all of that, which we won't get into. But I think the one thing I would never shame people for using drugs, but I think if people have, you know, mental health conditions and they're abusing or using recreational drugs and they're taking stimulants, they need to rethink because it can be very dangerous, you know. Some people are super resilient to stimulants and to drugs and using those and that's great. But I think people don't realise that like mixing drugs and then a Schedule 8 medicine with mental health issues, ADHD and like all of that, it's, it's, it might not end well. Like, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty safe to say. I, I reckon, you know, it's just, it won't end well. And it makes sense mm. why the psychiatrists were hesitant because they have a duty of, of care. I yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not mad at them per no, se. Like no. there's an element of frustration of on my end um, because, you know, I was, you know, I was open enough to, to share that with them, but, um, yeah, I mean, in a, in several ways, um, you know, that apprehension has kind of interfered with my accessibility to my medication. But, you know, on the other hand, like they're they're the medical professional, and you know, their primary their primary duty, of course, is ensuring that okay. you know their patient doesn't have an adverse reaction to something that you pres- they prescribe you. Yeah, because. Otherwise, if something does, it's on their hands. So, I mean, I'm I'm very understanding on that. Front. Yeah, but it makes it hard. Like you know that they're trying to do the right thing, but then it's like also yeah. I need help. So it's it's a double edged yeah, sword. It is exactly. That- I was just about to say it's a it's a rough situation. Yeah. But what do you do? What do you do? So with the psychiatrist, so you got opinions from them. How did? What was your testing like? Because I got tested when I was like 13. So I think my tests were a little different. I had to like, you know, repeat words back. I had to memorize pictures. Yeah. My testing happened over a period of like two or four weeks and it was like an hour a day. And it was so exhausting. Like that was the first sign that I was ADHD because I found the testing so exhausting. I found it so tiring. Like if you read my report from the neuropsychologist, it's, you know, Lucy uh, was really fatigued after the lessons. And like an hour realistically isn't that long. But for me, like an ADHD, it was exhausting. Sorry, for someone to concentrate on something that's not as exciting per se for for a whole hour then yeah I mean oh. that that can definitely be exhausting it was exhausting and I yeah. didn't know where the oh, tests were going like I didn't know what the test and I think that's the whole point that the test she was making me do she didn't tell me why so it wouldn't impact how I responded so I did those those tests what what tests did you have to do was it different for you did you have to do like a questionnaire what did oh you my God, my that that's insane. I've never heard of ADHD testing being that strenuous and so dragged out. Like mine was so much different and um so so like that would be the same um said by other people I know who've recently been diagnosed. Yeah. Like I um just filled out like a quest it was like a questionnaire, but it was like a one of those things that ask questions and it had like a always sometimes really yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm, the scale yeah 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 yeah. my teachers had to do that one and my parents had to do it based on me but I had to do like the testing I was like the lab right (laughs) (laughs) so you just had to answer that sounds really easy answering a question yeah it is I'm I'm actually shocked at how like long and dragged out that your process was yeah it was long and expensive it was really expensive I think on one of the episodes I did with my mom she said how much it cost I can't remember and I don't want to throw out the number there but it was like a lot of money like as much as maybe people spend on their braces and like getting their kids teeth fixed yeah yeah it was expensive Like same man. Honestly, that that kind of makes me that really frustrates me in a sense because it's like 
ADHD has like, you know, over the years proven to be real, quite common, you know, and yeah. it's like, I just it just makes me wonder how many people could have it and they're unable to seek um, a professional advice because it's too just hard. Because of the price. It's too like, I mean, I'm just lucky and I'm very grateful that, you know, I, I'm, I was in a position to be able to do it, but mm-hmm. you know, that's not, that's not for everyone. No. No, it's Sorry. not. And some people even have the means to do it, but their parents don't want to. Like there are a lot of people in my life who have, you know, who are very, very like, you know, privileged and able to afford it, but their parents are in denial. Like their parents really believe like, no, she just needs therapy or they just need therapy. They'll be right. And it's like, no, your kid needs to get formally assessed and they need That's to be medicated. Like they have to be, and I'm not a doctor and obviously like I would never say to like someone, you should be medicated, but you look at some of those ADHDs. No, but you're right. You're you're right. Fixed, not get fixed, but get help. Like you need help and your parents who can afford it for starters are refusing. Like she's fine. She's Seriously, just- the parents, like if that kid, like I don't, like I'd assume you're using like, yeah, you said you're using um somebody, you know, as an example. Yeah. Oh my god! Whoever that person is, I feel so deeply sorry, sorry. for because, yeah. like, even me just being diagnosed at age twenty, mm-hmm. like that's that's come with you know a huge set of problems for me, which yeah. you know I'm having, which I have to work through. But Jesus, like for for a kid to actually be self aware and you know actively try to go and get diagnosed and get the help that they need and be and be denied that by their parents like it's, it's really that, a worry and they honestly just that's a recipe for stuff. a whole lot of you know mental health problems oh, and yeah you know like it's common it's pretty common with ADHD people without their diagnosis and treatment to um, have anxiety depression yeah, yeah yeah anxiety depression uh substance use slash abuse yep that's pretty common just almost just as a coping mechanism for some people that that is so so harmful it is so harmful and she's such a risk taker um like engaging in the most dangerous acts and you know I'm not an impulsive ADHD person in terms of like actions I I'm too scared to do certain things so I'm more of verbally impulsive I'll say things without thinking but she would just say and do things that I would have to like say to her yeah I'm like that too do that like she did something really dumb. I'm not going to say what it is because then it'll be specific about it. I'm, I'll tell you after, like when we're not recording. But, you know, they did this yeah. thing and I had to like hold them for a second go, did you really do that? And like she had this grin on her face and she's like, so what? And I'm like, you are so like, Dal, you need to get help. That's like dangerous behaviour that you you don't need to be doing. And your parents letting you kind of, oh, well, you know, she's old enough. No, she's 16. Um, you know, letting her do all she's these things. She was only 16 at the time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like oh act, things that shouldn't be done by 16-year-olds. The acts and things that shouldn't oh really be happening to 16-year-olds um, that could have drastic impacts. But I was – I know, it is. But I was going to ask you another question. It was – you kind of mm. already started on it, but it's how has being diagnosed late impacted you? What has it, what's it done? Sorry. <laughs> what's it done to you? You know, this is, this is something that I very frequently catch myself often daydreaming about or just falling down the rabbit hole of thought, you know, what could have, what could have been different? You know, would, would I be in the same place that I am now or, yeah. or anything like that, really? I mean, it's literally affected 
every single aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think back to the time when I was 13 and I just learned about it and first suspected it and I just think, why didn't you do anything, you stupid 12 Yeah, but you want to know. Yeah. You want yeah. to know. Like, yeah. so I mean, to be, yeah, 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 to be yeah. fair, I'm still you were a child. child. You were a yeah. child. Yeah. 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 You were not fully developed. We still aren't fully developed. You were, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you think it was No, no, long way to go on that, Oh, right? long way to go. Do you think that it has mm. impacted you in the sense, like, do you feel like you missed out on things? Like, do you oh, look and gosh. go, I've, I you know. I don't, think I, I don't think that I missed out on things per se, but I just think it's kind of led me down a road that I didn't necessarily need to go down. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, since since I left school in 2018, you know, I've um had, I suppose, revolving bouts of anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some like certain events in my life sort of, um, I suppose, amplifying one or yeah. the other. But, um, yeah, it's um just, I suppose, the preconceived notion in my head that I'm just naturally lazy or I'm I'm dumber than the average person or you know like that that's a perfect fuel for you know a person with anxiety because it can lead to all these other you know catastrophic overblown unrealistic thoughts Mm -hmm. and you know um it's also had a massive effect on my self-confidence as has as it does on um, a lot of ADHD people, as, yeah. I've, as I've discovered, you know, because you go through life just thinking, you know, you're just, I suppose. Stupid. Yeah, yeah, just, yep. the, bar, just the bar is set at a, certain, at a certain standard for, I suppose, human function and you're, you're beneath that, I yes. guess, is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that, obviously that contributes to the anxiety, depression, sorry, anxiety, depression yeah. side of the coin. But another thing that I think specific to me and is common with a lot of ADHDers is um, just um, their tendency to engage in, um, I suppose, aspects of life that can turn into an addiction. Yep. That'd be, um, not for me personally, but like gambling, alcohol, um, sex. For me personally, it was um, substance use. Yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. specifically downers. Yep. Yeah, because I mean, any like any stimulant, I guess. Like, I mean, I'm like ADHD. People are already very energetic and yeah. up and awake. You know, yeah, it's like, like we're bouncing off the wall. Yeah, literally. Like, <laughs> we that's, that's realistically the last thing we need. But I mean, for me, like, um, I had started to experiment with um, um, benzodiazepines, which are strong sedatives. Right. Just they, are they for sleep? Yeah, for sleep, yeah, 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 which is an ongoing issue for me because I'm just like (laughs) my body just seems to hate switching off and going to sleep for some reason. It's like I'm having to lay in bed for hours, sometimes until the sun comes up. So, I mean, the attraction for me to that was was just too much. And, you know, I went down that road, I came back out, but, yeah, what can I say? Builds character. (laughs) Builds character. (laughs) Um, I was going to say, do you think if you'd been diagnosed earlier, do you think that you might have still had issues with anxiety and depression and addiction or do you think that being diagnosed early would have curtailed that, like that would have helped it or do you think it's a predisposed thing with your type of ADHD that it just came with having anxiety and like an addictive behaviour? That is a really good question. Like, I mean, obviously we'll never know, but yeah. like, you know, if you just take away the element of undiagnosed ADHD, like, I mean, I'd have to consider, 
um, all the other events and experiences that I've um, that I've encountered in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm like it's absolutely a possibility um, with certain things that I that I can think of. You know, just um, working in the aforementioned job that was just that was just awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I can imagine that would definitely have had an impact regardless. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I dare say like a lot of the stuff that I've experienced could have still happened had I been diagnosed, Yeah. but, um, I guess just not to the, not to the same extent. Yeah. And there wouldn't have been that I mean, other layer of like not knowing why it's so difficult. You would have been like, exactly. okay, well, at least I know mm-hmm. that yes, these events might've impacted me, but it's also the fact that, you know, I might, you know, I'm ADHD. So yes. it's not, I'm not, I'm not mad. Like I'm not. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the key thing here. Like, I mean, just having the self-awareness just to realize maybe, maybe you're not just dumb and lazy and you, you'll never amount to anything. It's just, you have ADHD, your your brain is just built different to everyone else's. Not everybody understands or appreciates that. Yeah. And they're just, you know, they're just having a go at you because that's just that's how they are or for whatever reason, realistically. But I mean, I'd definitely say it would be a huge advantage in um just not letting things get to you, just being able to understand why you operate the way you operate and just, yeah. you know, knowing make peace with it and just I suppose trying trying to counter that as best as you can without setting unrealistic expectations. Definitely. And do you think like with the addictive behaviours that you engaged in, do you think that they were amplified? Like did you have people egging you on or did you just like, no, nah, I didn't need to be egged on? And that's not to say that, you know, because people egged you on that it's their fault, you know, we're mm-hmm. adults and, you know, we have to take responsibility. But were there people around you who either egged you on or observed you and said nothing or just like that's that's just like Jasmine like Jasmine does that stuff like what was what were the dynamics with the people in your life I mean honestly like I think before it like really like obviously became a problem to everyone well not just to everyone it was realistically like my parents that kind of called it out when it was when it started to get bad and then yeah but um honestly like I, w- I, w- I wouldn't have told anyone realistically like how far down I was as, yeah. at, at any given point. Like I'd kind of just, I just, I don't know, it would just be pa- just a passing comment in a conversation really because, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't think myself that it had become a problem because there's that element of denial, I guess. And invincibility. Yeah. I oh, can do anything. Yes, yes. But um, I don't know, like I just kind of – if it ever came up in conversation, it wouldn't be conveyed in a way that the other that the other party would see it as alarming, a, as a really bad concern. Yeah, as alarming. Yeah, you'd hope. But yeah, because you'd hope that the, if people saw it was alarming, they would say something. You'd really hope so. Mm-hmm. You'd really. Yeah, no, I mean, my I'd say the people in my life, my friends and family, like if they thought that something was alarming, that they would that they. Yeah. Would, Make up, <laughs> yeah, of course, which is, which is great. You know, like that's it's it that's just means want. that like they care enough about you to be able to stand up and, I suppose, just start the conversation. Of course, of course. And I was going to ask something else, which you can't, you're already touching on a lot of them, but I was going to say, like, do you think it is a relief that you're diagnosed now, or is it just kind of too late and the work now is too hard? Like. Yeah, you're glad you're diagnosed, but does it make a difference for you or do you feel as if it's added extra work on top of being ADHD? I honestly feel like I'm still, you know, at this current point in time figuring that out. Like 
you know, of course I can reminisce on like how good it would have been for me to be diagnosed as a kid, but like, you know, that's, that's not the case, you know, we're already here now. It's like, yes, I've got my diagnosis. Yes. It was about like 13 or year, 13. No, uh, seven or you eight, do the however, math. However long, <laughs> you do the math. Yeah, no, math and me aren't very good friends. <laughs> <laughs> so you think, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, honestly, it's just I find the biggest thing for me right now is like, um, you know, I've had my um my riddle and suspended for the next six months. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well, that was for, applicable from like August, but anyway, um, yeah, I just find that like I'm aware of like you know, how I function and why exactly I'm, I don't kind of fit into the mold of other people, mm-hmm. I guess, behaviorally, but, um, uh, what was I talking about? Jesus Christ. You were saying like, oh, is it a relief? Sorry, yeah. Sorry, just kind of. No, you yeah. had a blank. It's fine. I do that yeah. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> blank will get, yeah. 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 But, um, honestly, yeah, no, it's, it's better in the sense that it kind of prevents me from, um, the whole, just falling into the trap of you're you're lazy you're worthless yeah you just yeah 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 that that whole kind of anxiety hole I suppose where you catastrophize not getting something done and just coming to the conclusion that you're just a useless human being yeah yeah like it's it's good in the sense that like it's an explanation for for my behavior basically and you know like now you can say okay all of those some of those behaviors that I displayed were not me being a bad child that was my ADHD like I was reading some of my old journals pre-diagnosis when I was like, you know, in primary school and before I was diagnosed in like year seven. And so much of my diary was like this, these unknown ramblings of being like, there's something wrong with me. Why am I like this? Am I just dumb or do I have an illness that makes me so dumb? And I would write such weird impulsive things and I would do things like I'd read in my diary. Today, I spoke back to a teacher and I don't know why I did that. And now that I'm diagnosed, I look back at my diary and I'm like, oh my God, like you were so ADHD, Lucy. Like you were such, like you were such, but I remember writing in that diary being so like confused thinking I had this unknown illness like I thought I'm not like the kid in my be named after you <laughs> like I literally thought that, like because I, I had a boy in my class who was autistic and I thought I'm not autistic I'm not like that I wasn't like the dyslexic kid I, I I thought I had some undiagnosed illness I really thought I was special I thought I was this quirky <laughs> special I am special but I really <laughs> thought that and I, I had there was no language for me like I couldn't even use words like I can't focus it was just there's something wrong with me and I think if I had not been diagnosed, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know if I would be in a necessarily risk-taking behaviour, but I think I'd be an absolute disaster. I'd be an absolute mess. Me. <laughs> I'd, no, I wouldn't be you. You're not. Sorry, I would be. I shouldn't say that on the podcast. <laughs> no, but I would just be like. No one could hear me, folks. <laughs> I, but I would just. It would just be really disastrous. That is the end of part one of my amazing conversation with Jasmine. Part two will be out shortly, so please stay tuned. In the meantime, do not forget to follow me on Spotify, Amazon, Google and Apple Podcasts, as well as on Instagram and Facebook at The Lucy Pod. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you later.